All right. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another Serious Angler podcast powered by our friends over at X2 Power Batteries. We are back with another show. And as always, I'm your host, Bailey Eichbrett, and joined with me is the captain, Mr. Andy Full. What's going on, What's buddy? up? Oh, you know, got to hang out with you this morning and pour some jig heads, so that was fun. Um, it's been like a long time. A little side note, though. I had probably 15 DMs, people saying you shouldn't wear sandals while pouring lead. And I was like, yes, that is probably a really dumb idea on our behalf. But, uh, yeah, could you imagine if, like, a little smolten lead fell on one of our foots? No, dude, I have, like, the ugliest feet, so honestly, it'd probably be a good thing. Yeah, but you probably wouldn't be walking or being able to use your pedal drive on the Hobie. So <laughs> yeah, that was actually like a really good observation. It was, it was Dennis, right? Uh, yeah. Really good. He's a Canadian guide up here uh, in the Niagara area. Really good guide. Um, and he messaged and he's like, probably shouldn't uh, pour any jig heads or anything while you're wearing flip flops. And we both looked down and we're like, Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> <on> that. oops. <laughs> You know, not okay. enough coffee in the bloodstream yet to think logically yeah. at eight in the morning. We had, so... we, had just drink, we had just drank our Timmy Orton's, but we weren't awake yet. <laughs> yes, pretty much. Pretty much. So Yeah, we got a lot, a lot of good, cool stuff uh, content-wise from Do It Molds. Uh, a lot of things that are going to be clutch, hopefully clutch for me this weekend as I head over to uh, Cuca Lake for NYKBF, our, our kayak trail here in New York for state championships. Um, I don't know what the bite's going to be. It's going to be interesting, but I'm hoping that what we poured this morning will come in clutch. And I'm yeah, going to keep gonna... that relatively vague because I know half the trails listening to this. Yes, yeah. <laughs> it's going to be um, it's going to be interesting with like this wicked cold front we have coming in north winds, and then come Saturday it switches south. So it's going to be very interesting what they do. I never like the first true cold front of the oh, fall. It's because it just puts them into such a funk. And that is my dilemma. Like, I was thinking about going largemouth fishing on Thursday. And I'm like, yeah, don't do it. oh, I don't know if I want to actually do this or not. Because I know they're going to be so tough to catch. But if you find them and you can get them to eat, they'll probably be big ones. So it's like, eh. it's always It's always that dilemma. But yeah. I will say, while the first cold front of the year sucks... Uh, I am happy that we can go walk out our front door in a flannel and like pants. And yeah, it's pretty spikes. nice. Yeah, this this morning I, I contemplated putting a hoodie on. I was like, oh, should I put a hoodie on? And I was like, nah, shorts and t-shirt. Be a man. Be a man. <laughs> I straight up had pants and a hoodie on. Sorry. Yeah. I was happy. I'm rocking. It might have been too premature, but I was, I was forcing it. I was willing that cold temperatures to come because uh, for packing, I packed my bag already for – this weekend, because I'm going to have two days of practice for states for the two-day tournament. Um, I have all blackfish hoodies, which I'm, like, super happy about. Don't have, there might maybe be one day where it's a sun hoodie day, but beyond that, I am excited to be in some colder temperatures here in western New York. Absolutely. But, but Andy, uh, you have anything else, anything guide-wise the folks can know if we're trying to get up in the Buffalo area as we get this cold? At, a great note, if as we're getting this first cold front, as things are about to go crazy. Berserk. Um, What's yes. uh, what are some what are some availabilities you got before we bring our um, guests today? Like the next two weeks, I'm very limited. Next week, I think I have two days, and the following week, I have two days. I think October, I have a little bit more 
availability, but the weather is a little bit more volatile after like the 12th. So you never truly know what's going to happen. But if you want to get on like the wait list, I'll gladly, if you want to reach out and be like, put you on a list where I'm like, the weather's good these three days. Who wants to go? And whoever comments first says they want to go. I'll put you in that list and I'll just reach out on the list. So you want to be first, Bailey? It's always during the list. Yes. Yes. I want to be first on the list. (laughs) All of my weekends are booked through October. So if you want to go fishing, it has to be a weekday. Yeah, it, it's it's definitely worth it, though. I will say that if it's if, if Andy texts you and says, hey, are you free? And it's like a day away. You better go because yeah, it's going to be nuts. like <laughs> through like October 10th through like Thanksgiving. Like if we get two days of fishable weather and good water clarity, we're talking 50 to 200 fish a day all over four pounds. It's so silly. Yes, Chris, exactly. River fishing, like burning their faces off with crankbaits and A-rigs. It's, um, it is fun. Heck, yeah. It's my well, favorite dude, type of life. I, I like it more than spring when you can get out and fish. Right. Well, dude, I will say something that is just about, if not more crazy than fall fishing here in Western New York is – winning three out of the five championships held on the Champions Tour. And that's what our guest has done today. Yeah, and, uh, We're going to get into remarkable. some more of the accolades because everyone I've talked to in, from Minnesota says he's the best angler in Minnesota. And that is coming from some big names, people who've seen a lot of guys go through the ranks. So that is a very, very good compliment. And I am excited to talk to him today. And we're going to bring him on right here. And that is Mr. Noah Schultz. What's going on, man? Not much. Good evening. You are uh, still riding that uh, that third championship high. That have have you sold your third Skeeter boat that you've won? <laughs> no, I'm still fishing out of it right now. I thought about selling it right away. I got a, a potential buyer lined up, but I still got a lot of tournaments to fish and to try to swap all that over and you know work kinks up because nothing goes smoothly. It's just going to be too much. So I got two more big tournaments I want to fish, and then I'm going to probably sell it and swap stuff over and start fishing out of the new one. That's awesome. So you basically haven't had to buy a boat in the past few years because you've been winning ones. I keep them. Most people sell them, but uh, I, I I keep them. It's a free boat, and it's a hey. you know ZX two hundred. It's a nice bass boat, two hundred yeah. horse Yamaha, and rig it up, and away I go. It's what nineteen <laughs> foot five, right? With like a ninety four inch beam, I think. So it's plenty so. fishable. Yeah, yep. it's not fishable. the biggest boat in the world, but I mean, I've I've never had anything nicer or bigger so to me it's the nicest thing i've ever owned you know everything i've ever had before has been 20 years old and beat up and run down so and now you have a brand new boat yeah <laughs> all you have to pay is the taxes on so yep, yep. <laughs> perfect yeah, that's a pretty good deal for one yep, exactly. one day of fishing right yeah yeah one day one day shootout okay so we're, we're gonna dive into more of this champions tour we've we've had adam bartuzic on uh i think it was one of the first shows we actually talked about back when he started his freelancing gig and is filming champions tour. We're going to dive into that here in a bit on how that's, that's structured. But before we do, let's, uh, you know, for the folks listening, people watching in, you know, how did you even get your start into bass fishing? Like throw it back to wait, the beginning, like who got you into it? How'd you get into it? Oh, Whole the night beginning, I, I don't even remember. Uh, that's how little I was. I know my, my dad and my grandpa were a big part of it. Uh, my whole family fished. 
you know, even my mom and my grandma. And I, ever since I can remember, I was fishing. I mean, my, my grandpa bass fished, and my dad bass fished, and uh, they didn't fish tournaments. They just fun fished, and we'd go out all the time, all the time. And then uh, that just slowly progressed, and I got to the age where I could drive and pull a boat. My dad sold me his boat, and that was my first boat, and I ran with that for years and years and years and years. And then I slowly started upgrading, buying, you know, fiberglass, a 16-foot fiberglass boat. And I started fishing tournaments, and I think I've been fishing tournaments now for probably 15 years, but most of that was just local uh, small derby stuff. Right. And that progressed into fishing some bigger regional tournaments, you know, some like I don't know if you've ever heard of Denny Super Thirty out of Minnetonka. Yeah. That's where Seth yep. Fighter got his start and cut his teeth, and Austin Felix and Josh Douglas and all the big names come out of Minnesota. Most of them guys started with Denny Super Thirty, and then I started fishing them. You know, won a few of them, had some good success there, and then the Champions Tour came about, and it was invite only at first. You know, you, you couldn't even get in unless you were invited, and then one year they had a few open tournaments you could qualify to be in the Champions Tour, and so I put my money down and I fished the opens and uh, that year I qualified and that was my first championship too. So if you qual if you finished in the top six in either two of the tournaments, you, you got to fish the championship and you qualified for the next year. And uh, so then that's, it just took off from there. I've been on, on the actual tour now. This was my fourth season. So the first year was fishing the open qualifiers and then now uh, on tour for four years for the champions tour. Heck awesome. yeah. And three of five championships later, <laughs> <laughs> fill in that trophy case is what they say. Yeah, it's been it's been uh, quite the ride for sure. Sounds like Dude, it, <laughs> Andy. I am genuinely jealous of the guys because in Minnesota, dude, you guys have some really good local team trails. Not shouldn't say local, but state team trails out of Minnesota, yeah. like yeah. between the stuff in Minnetonka. Like, yeah, I think like Empire here in New York is about the closest you can get to like kind of what you guys are doing, like with the, the Denny's and stuff like that. But even like your Minnesota state trail is does some, has a really good job of putting these tournaments together. Like you guys. Yeah, have, they do. We don't I, have I, a trail I don't, here big money or even a boat nonetheless. Yeah. I, I, I don't fish the team trail just because it's uh, kind of conflicted a little bit last year with the champions tour. And that's kind of where my priority is. That That's where all the money is the champions tour. It's, it's an individual series and first place is 12 grand. So then at the end of the year, top 25 move on to the championship for a one day shootout where you win a $55,000 boat. You know, it's, it's insane. Yeah. <laughs> there's, nothing, there's nothing like it around that even compares to it, you know? Yeah. That's, Sounds that's like we need to move to Minnesota. Yeah. That's the thing. It's like, <laughs> if guys are even within a 10 hour driving distance, it, you know, it'd be worth considering fishing these derbies because, the payout's insane. Like they pay, they pay back 15 places and the last check is $1,500. So you get your money back plus some, you know, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, that's, that's worth it. What's the, yeah. what's the entry to that for the, the thousand bucks a tournament, but you got to fish the whole year. And there's, there's three, three regular season events. And then there's a championship with the championship is free entry. So use three grand to fish the season. Uh, they give away tons of prizes to you know all trexes, twelve inch helixes, uh, mega lives, good uh, sponsorship backing, so it helps. Yeah, yeah, they got it's it's a really, really, really good deal. That's a really good ROI. Holy crap! Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, that's awesome. So let's so kind of talk through for people that are, they're here in this this term champions tour, right? Uh, and they're not from Minnesota, so they're not too familiar with it. Like, what is the champions tour? How does like how does the tournament format work for folks that are, are listening to this? So the champions tour is it's a unique format. It's not like your typical uh, five fish derby or any tournament for that matter. It's uh, similar to the MLF Bass Pro Tour. Uh, it's catch weight release. Your total weight counts. It's uh, and then the, the the twist is we have marshals too. Our marshals are high school anglers out of the area. Those That's are our boat marshals. And the twist is the thing that makes it really difficult, even another notch above catching all you can catch. You know the major major league fishing format is they do a lake split. So you have a morning half for four hours. You go out. And then the second half, you fish another part of the lake. You don't fish the same part of the lake twice. And the, the real twist is they don't tell you what the lake split is until the night before. Hmm. So you have no idea what part of the lake you're going to fish, when you're going to fish it. You don't know anything until the night before at, at the rules meetings when they tell you. That's I like that a lot. That's pretty cool. It's, that's, that's kind of like a, a twist between BPT and the cup events I did to, to an extent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To an extent, yes, because we're allowed to practice, obviously, but you you can't hunker in on a zone. You can't focus on one part of the lake and dial it in and pick it apart because you're going to be f- forced to fish a part of the lake that that you, if, if you just hang out one side of the lake, you're not going to even know what's going on on the other side. So you have to, like last year, we're on Mille Lacs. Well, I mean, what's that, 200 square miles of a lake? Mm-hmm. And you got to try to see at least visit, you know, every part of the lake. Cause if you don't, you're going to go into it blind at some part of the day, you know? So you can't, Ugh. it's different. You really gotta, you gotta approach it a little bit differently. And it's, it's a, uh, it's very challenging, especially with the format. And it's just like MLF where we know who's catching what and where they are and where you are in the standings. And it's a, uh, it's very, very, very intense format. It's unlike, I mean, five fish formats are intense. There's, you know, that level of anxiety and excitement and stuff like that. But when you're fishing this format and if, if you're sucking, you know you're sucking. And it's not a good <laughs> you feeling. Just, you just start sucking more because now you're stressing <laughs> and the anxiety. It's, it's, <laughs> it, it makes you, it just, I don't know how to explain it. Until you actually experience it and fish it, fish a format like that where the pressure is on and you see this guy is in He's leading. He's got 53 pounds. You're two hours into it, and you've got eight pounds, and you're in 45th place. And you're thinking, what am I going to do now? You know, like, how do you come back? And how do you recover? And it's not a format where you can just sit and grind out a few bites on a spot. you got to keep moving, and you got to be catching all day long because these guys will run over you if you don't. Yeah, I was going to say, it's probably one where it's, Unless you're absolutely obliterating everyone with a big gap, I mean, you're probably not fishing free most of the day mentally because all you're hearing is updates. <laughs> and I mean, if you're talking like half the lake split too, like you're seeing most of the guys catch them too. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's it's, crazy. It is. It's I can't explain it. It's intense. It's, but it's so much fun. It's so addicting. I can't get enough of it. We have a uh, question just, from Ryan Crowley about how many boats fish it. 50 bolts. They cap it at 50. For every tournament? Yep. And it's, it's, it's like I said, you got to pay for the whole season. So you either fish all or none. So they cap it at 50. I don't, I hope, I hope they grow it. He's, they, they got something really, really good going on here. 
you know, I, I think they got enough demand. Hopefully they can grow it something bigger, you know, 75 volts, 100 volts. I don't know. But then you, you also got to the flip side of it is how do you supply enough marshals for every angler? You know, it's right. It's a little trickier. I do trickier. like the fact that you use like local high school kids in the area. Yeah, in the high school, they're they're good kids too, and it's 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 cool because they all they're all, they're all they all tournament fish, you know. So they're they're just as passionate about it as you are. So it's they get just as excited and pumped up when you when you catch a fish as you do. You know, it's it's pretty cool. Yeah, and some of those kids, I mean, today's age with the learning curve, are probably going to be fishing against you guys in a few years on the Champions Tour. <laughs> They do. There's a lot of them that are boat marshals, and a year or two later, they're 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 anglers, they're competitors now. That's crazy. That's awesome. That's yeah. super cool. I mean, to see that succession too. I mean, like those are the kids that are are getting in as marshals from a learning aspect, and that part to me is super cool. I love seeing that mm-hmm. that that spark still there. That's awesome. We did, we just had an angler this year on the Mississippi River. He won. He just turned 18. So no he's way. just fresh into it. I, I I can't remember if he's a marshal. I, I don't remember if he's a marshal for the Champions Tour or not. But I mean, he's high school anger, fresh out of high school, comes out and wins. I think he wins the first Derby of the year, twelve grand. <laughs> so that hey, was for an eighteen-year-old, cool. that's a million bucks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that was pretty cool. Good. That's for a truck him. and a boat right there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so let, let's kind of dive into. I mean. Three out of five championships is, is really impressive. So I'm kind of curious to – is there something that you can attribute that success to? Because that's that's pretty dominant. I I don't know. There's not one thing that sticks out in my mind. I mean, I, I got asked a question the other day, and I didn't know how to answer it. Then I started thinking about it the other night, and it's like the only thing that really truly sticks out to me in my mind is – is when Derby Day goes down is keeping an open mind, like just being able to fish on the fly because it's like how often does practice – I mean, practice relates to tournament, but how often does it your practice go the same way as a tournament day? You know, it's like right. practice guides you, like, like tells you kind of what to do and gives you a general idea, but like Serpent Lake, this last boat I won – I'm like, I'm halfway through the day and I completely ditched everything I knew in practice. And the last half of the day I spent fishing new water, water I've never, I I never fished before. It wasn't that big of a lake, so it was easy to break down, but I was fishing water. I never even practiced. And I was just rolling with the pattern that I figured out during the day and the fish were related to shade. And I just started running with it. And if I would have stuck to my practice, I would have stayed offshore and those fish were not cooperating at all. They, you could see them on, you know, mega live, but they wouldn't, they wouldn't eat. And it was a dying deal. And I don't know why it was dying. You think the offshore bite would be better than what it was. And, uh, for some reason I just kept an open mind that day and started running shallow stuff and just rolled with it. I found a few bites and I just kept, you know, expanding on the pattern and started rolling with it and ran with it. And somehow I ended up winning a boat. I don't know how it happened. <laughs> Somehow, fishing—it's called fishing. I look at I, I look at a lot of my look at a lot of my tournament wins through the Champions Tour. I've won six events now, and you know, four years on the actual tour, I've won six in four years, and pretty damn good. Almost every single one, I never I catch like, fish in a way I never catch fish in a way that I caught them in practice. I'm always doing something a little different during tournament day. Like you call an audible and you roll with it, and it works. You know, it's. Hard to explain. That's the only thing that really sticks out in my mind is that. 
Well, you're yeah. trusting your gut and your angling intuition, angling yeah. intuition. So, yeah. and, that, and that's a hard thing to do because a lot of people like as fishermen, we always try to force a bite that we're confident in at that time, especially if we practice. Mm-hmm. And, and that speaks to sometimes we can practice too much and get us stuck into a rhythm and really spin us out when everything goes to crap. So and I compliment you for ditching it and just, running new stuff that's awesome that little that's hard to do (laughs) that little clue set you off and you're like okay i'm gonna run down the lake and just look probably and like oh shit okay i'll probably get bit so yeah that is such a honestly that's probably one of the best feelings i think in tournament competition is when you know that when that light bulb goes off and you're like i need to go fish new water and you make that decision versus hunkering down and what you know you've gotten bit before, and then you go run that new water and you get that first bite and that second bite, and you're like, you feel like the king. Like you're <laughs> like, like I'm freaking Kevin Van Dam right now. I know how to catch. <laughs> like that is that is a uh, uh, it's it's indescribable. I think when you hey, make that decision that you don't know, it's a guarantee, and then you make it and it works and it clicks. That puts you on a. I feel like that adds so much to your mental game from a confidence standpoint, mm-hmm. which sounds like that is your advantage here is more mental. Not that you're not talented, but it sounds like you're mentally more strategically smarter with your decision-making. And that's, what's helping you in these events. I try to be, I don't want to say I'm better than the rest of the guys. I mean, the field is absolutely stacked. I mean, any one of these guys can win a tournament. Like it's, but they can't win no- big bats because that's on lock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big bass is definitely unlocked from. I still I haven't hear, done so. that yet. I still haven't won a big bass. And it's like well, I don't, I don't get it. I just want a Yeti cooler. It's all I want. He's building a cat. He's building a castle. All the ones he's won. You know? So for yeah, for folks watching and folks that are listening to this after live, uh, Matt Thompson won Angler of the Year on the Champions Tour. But also, this this is a crazy statistic. And trust me, I fact checked this twice, so it's it's legit. He has won big bass in 11 of the 15 events that he's fished. <laughs> 11 of 15. So, so is that 11 Yeti coolers you said too? Yeah. Yeah. His nickname is Big Yeti. Yeah. <laughs> it's not because he's a big dude. He's a big dude too, but it's That's because he has so many Yetis. It's <laughs> crazy. Like it's not it's not just one fish either. You go back and because we use the real Livewell app which is a Champions Tour app. It's a you know, catchway release app that you can keep track of all our fish. And you go back and you look at his his fish catches, and it's not just one. He doesn't catch just one giant matched with a bunch of little fish. Like, this dude's, like, catching, like, for his biggest five, like, we were on Vermilion, he had, like, 24 pounds or something crazy like that. And, like, 19 pounds on Vermilion is a phenomenal bag. And he's got, like, 24 pounds for his five biggest <laughs> smallmouth with, like, a six-something kicker. It's, like... Where? It's just it's insane. Yeah. I don't how, know how why? Yeah. And it's he's every tournament. He's probably chucking around like a 120 or a 150 size <laughs> in the middle of nowhere. If, if just, it was a five fish format, we would be donating money to him every single tournament. Jeez. I don't know I mean, how he does it. At, at that rate, I, 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 we need to get Matt on this show and try to dig this this out of, out of him like information-wise. But, I mean – when you think about it too, it's kind of an interesting topic to dive down. Like with musky anglers, how many times they're like, "Yeah, I've caught six, seven pound largemouth and and uh, you know giant smallmouth through musky fishing when they're throwing those big baits." 
I wonder what term because like at that point you're targeting an apex predator like you are going after strictly just predatory fish and how they behave i wonder if how much of that is incorporated into that's trying to get away from what we were talking about earlier but but i I think he does relate to that musky you know mentality where he targets individual big fish versus just schools of fish whereas i i approach a tournament I'm practicing. I'm looking for areas that have a lot of fish. I'm looking for, I'm fishing for bites, you know, and I, I do mm-hmm. the same thing in a five fish tournament. I'm fishing for bites too. But whereas like a champions tour event, if I, if I'm practicing and I find a brush pile and I get one bite on it and it's a six pounder, I might not even hit that brush pile in the event. You know, I, I might, if I'm close, but I'm not going to drive 20 minutes out of my way to go hit it or half an hour out of my way to go hit it as if I, I would do that in a five fish format, you know, so right. you, you approach it a little differently, but still the same, like those big ones help. You need them to win. You can't just catch one pounders and win these tournaments. You got to have fours and threes and all these other, you got to have big fish mixed in to win. You can't just go and catch one pounders because you will get walked all over. If you do that too, you got to have big ones and small ones mixed in. So yeah. still have to, it's, I don't know. I'll explain it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> So go in. So let's go back to these championship wins. So the three of them, were they are they relatively similar in terms of how you caught them, how the lake set up, or are they completely different? Uh, no. So the first one was on Bay Lake in Minnesota, which would be just if anyone's familiar, it's north of Malax, probably ten minutes, and that is a deep clear water, uh, primarily largemouth, deep weed lines. You know, anywhere from my memory serves me right 15 to 18 foot weed lines i'd say uh there are shallow fish too there i was all in on fishing offshore so you're 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 fishing weed lines you know drop shot jigs you know looking for a hard bottom against grass stuff like that and then uh the second one was malax which is smallmouth you know you're fishing smallmouth all day long there are largemouth in there but the year we fished it was the largies were off so i mean nobody was i think there was like two largemouth caught in the whole tournament and Malax is obviously 20 foot to uh, two foot smallmouth boulders, reefs, gravel, you know, just anything. And then this last one, Serpent Lake, was a 50 50 split. It was 50% smallies, 50% largies. Smallmouth ran bigger, they're a lot harder to catch. Largies more, uh, a little bit on the smaller side, I'd say average two pounds with some nice threes and fours mixed in too. They were easier to catch. So it's, and that was a deep, very, very clear, very deep weed. I think, I think the weeds ran 20 foot deep on that lake and them smallmouth were getting out to 40 feet deep sometimes. Some of them humps, you catch them. I think I caught a couple in practice in 38, 39 foot of water. So it's, it's a good mix of everything. And it's not like it was one style of fish and Bay Lake was Nico rig on a weed line, finesse fishing. And that's all I did all day long. And then Malax was... I call it more power fishing. My morning was a Ned rig and a A rig. And in my afternoon, I transitioned into power fishing, kind of shallower. So I'm throwing a square bill on shallower boulders. And then that transitioned into throwing an A rig, get away from the treble hooks with one big, you know, versus <laughs> and just throw one big hook. I could boat flip them instead, you know? Yeah. And But that was primarily shallow, eight foot and less, kind of power fishing, individual boulders. And then a uh, serpent was... Serpent started off in the morning offshore, you know, mega live, picking off individual large mouth. I played with the smallies a little bit, 
caught some that transitioned into running a shade, you know, a shade pattern and at the end of the day, whether it was pads underneath mats or docks or overhanging trees, just anywhere there was shade, I ended up running a shade pattern at the end of the day. So they're all a little different in their own ways, and there's not one technique that stuck out over the others. Yeah, I mean, I wanted to kind of ask you what you think, like, your confidence is, like, your go-to style as an angler. So I'm still going to ask you to put it – for the sounds of it, it just sounds like you're freaking versatile. But, like, if you, if you have a That's fall – fish. <laughs> my, my happy place, my, my, my most confident that I feel in a tournament format when it comes to either five fish tournament or a catch weight release format like the Champions Tour is, is offshore. Offshore, fishing isolated cover. That's, you know, I love to fish deep grass. That's like my happy place. But I, I'm not scared to go shallow and power fish and punch mats and flip pencil reeds. And I hate fishing docks. I absolutely despise fishing docks. But Noah, you and I would get along very well. <laughs> I hate, I cannot stand fishing docks, but the last two tournaments I won, I won Gull Lake and I won Serpent Lake. They were back to back a week apart and they were, I ended both my days on docks. Mm. That's the only dock fishing I've done. I think, I think I I might've dabbled a little bit in another tournament, but primarily I don't fish docks at all in the Champions Tour. Here's a really good comment from our buddy Bart who's in the, he's in the chat. He said, your number one trait as an angler is that you constantly keep everybody honest until you know how to win. Where a lot of people, I love that because I think that is a huge weakness. And this happens to, this has happened to me and I'm, I'm slowly getting better at it where you talk about practice, right? And you might have confidence areas or things you might, might be biting, they might be eating. And because you got bit on that in practice or you didn't get bit on, say, some other thing, you in tournament days, you're like you block it out of your mind, like in terms of, no, I never got bit on that. I can't do that. Whereas conditions, if you take a second to look at in the moment what conditions are, it should be screaming at you. You should be doing that thing. But you have a mental block from practice. That is such a big mental hurdle to get over. And that's huge as a terminator, obviously, what you're doing. Adam, he hit that right on the head. That like I couldn't say any better. Like you know, Serpent Lake, I, I didn't catch anything on top water in practice. I didn't even really practice it. And tournament day comes, it's slick, calm. The sun's just coming over the trees. I'm like, God, this looks like a perfect morning for a buzz bait. You know, we just fire a buzz bait around over this flat, quick, and boom, 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 and just start cracking like two pound large. You just like sweet, you know, and then. That you know, that bite died obviously because the sun went down. Then I started running a hair jig on a flat for some smallies, and the next thing I know, I'm like you said, I just kept I just kept checking things and checking patterns until I felt like I hit a pattern that I could roll with and expand on. And that's I didn't I didn't just even though I I, I hit a school a large malt off offshore on a weed line, I peeled like six or seven out of school quick, and then my next move, I ran to a foot and a half of water. I'm throwing a hair jig on a flat for smallmouth. Because I just wanted to see if if that bite was going too. I just kept feeling out the lake as the day went on, and then once I felt like I had a pattern that I could roll with, that I could do some damage, and that's the one I put my all my eggs in, and then I just I rolled with it, and that was a good way to put it, Adam. You hit it right on the head. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, I mean that's you hear a lot of success stories, like even in the five fish format as well. Guys that are like, yeah, I was running back here, and then. You know, I decided, I, well, something looked good. I figured, you know, it'll 
take me five minutes to stop. So I stop. And that's like their big fish of the day is because they, they tried something or it's a clutch move. Like having that, getting past that mental block and re- basically removing that from how your mental process is on tournament day, I feel like is so clutch as a tournament angler because you see so many people, even guys that are on the pro tour, they don't do it a lot, but there's certain days where you can tell that they're just trying to ride a dying pattern when there mm-hmm. could be something else that is like that was my, that was my 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 biggest downfall when I first started the Champions Tour because in five fist format you can you can ride them a long time you know and you can pluck off one here and you can kind of survive, but the Champions Tour if you ride a pattern that's dying you're gonna you're gonna die too like that was my biggest hurdle when I first got into the Champions Tour and. As years go on, it's getting easier and easier to bail on things and just give up and just just grab something that I never caught them on in practice. And because it seems right, it's the conditions fit it and just roll with it, you know. Yeah, it's one thing I feel I like mean, I'm getting better at. Yeah, that's huge. That that is huge, especially for the mental side of things. Andy is actually really good at this. He's one that like he'll have, you know, ten rods on the deck and he'll catch a, a fish on one rod. And right, like he literally boat flips it, either puts it in the box or throws it back, whatever. <laughs> picks up a different rod. Does not the same rod that he just caught the fish on. He'll be like, this also looks good. Like he'll squirrel, like he's like all over the place, but he's willing to, he tries different things, whether he caught them on but or not. You just got to figure out what they're going to eat. Like the prime example for me, like thinking back on this, was a tournament we came in second place last year when we had like almost 26 pounds. We're jamming smallies like every other cast on an Alabama rig. And I'm like, we got to go get a big bite. I was like, we're burning the shoreline with shatterbaits. Like, I don't care what you say, we're doing it. And it paid <laughs> off. Like, I was it's like, like we got to go. Slow-mo. I was like, we got to go get a giant. And with 10 minutes left in the tournament, I caught almost a 6-6. Six, six. And I was like, w- w- there's no way we're losing. And then we lost by like a pound. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that was so crazy. Well, the, the best bite is the bite that's going on right yeah. then and there. You know, not what you yeah. found in practice a lot of times. And it doesn't. That's another thing I'm learning too. And now I fish these bigger lakes. I've never fished you know, all these lakes I've fished with the champions. I've never fished before in my life. I've always fished small lakes around home, and these lakes around home are spot lakes. I don't know if you guys have smaller lakes mm-hmm. where the fish always seem to live on this rock pile and they always seem to live on this brush pile, or they're always in the stretch of the bank. And then these big lakes, they don't do that. They don't li- like. I don't know how to explain it. Like. These big lakes, they move. They, they, they. Every day is a little different. You got to try to figure it out on that day. It seems like. Yeah, I mean, there's like you talk about those smaller lakes. Like there's lakes where you can literally like name the fish. Like you'll catch them yeah. three times <laughs> within a year span. But it's. Yep. Uh, I definitely and acknowledge that. <laughs> we got <laughs> Rich in the comments asking if you're giving away Whoa. your skis. <laughs> For the right price, I am. <laughs> yes, for the right price. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, fantastic. gosh, that's funny. So going back to when you talked about your fallback, where you you like to get offshore, fish in isolated cover, uh, you obviously got to be proficient with your electronics. And I know you're a hummingbird guy, but kind of mm-hmm. talk about your process of dissecting that offshore stuff. Like from the moment you launched the boat, to then, obviously, you're up on the front deck and casting. What is your process from an electronic standpoint? Oh, it depends, I guess. I mean, I'm fishing a grass fishery. I probably I probably don't graph as much as most people think I would graph or as, as much as most people graph on a grass lake because grass, 
you're looking for hard areas, obviously, along the weed lines or rocks, you know, but so is everybody else. If I find a rock pile on, on, this, on the edge of a weed line off the tip of a point that runs into the grass, so did everybody else, you know. I tend to kind of stay away from stuff like that, so I don't tend to graph a lot. I tend to do more fishing when it comes to um, fishing grass lakes. and uh, But as far as, like, rock lakes go and stuff, other, other lakes like that, like Malax, like, yeah, I mean, I'll graph and graph and graph and graph because you're looking for boulders, you know. But um, I don't know how to explain it. I don't know how I, how I explain it. I break a lake down. I just I just start fishing, try to figure out a deal, a pattern, and I try to expand on it, roll with it. And a lot of times if you catch a fish a certain way, you can get on your hummingbird, pull up your, your, your map, you know, on Lake Master. I run Lake Master Chip, and you can go in there. You can highlight, okay, I caught this fish on a 15-foot weed line on a tight break, you know. I can go in there and highlight uh, – 13 to 16 foot change it to look green make it look green i can look at the map and then just mix everything pop and i can just go run all those shaded areas that fit the pattern that i just found and i can just I can cut out 90 percent of the lake that way i don't have to waste time fishing areas that aren't productive because a lot of times these bigger lakes if you catch a, a fish a certain way or a few fish a certain way generally you can look at a map and you can just keep re- reproducing that over and over and over again. So that's kind of how, that's the first thing I do. That's probably the biggest thing I do as far as efficiency goes. And as far as fishing, um, I have Mega360 and then I have Mega Live. And I just recently uh, got the Hummingbird Mega Live Target Lock. And uh, which has been, I mean, it's amazing. It's, it's, it's all about being efficient. Tournament fishing is, is, is being efficient, getting more cast, having a productive practice, especially with the format of catch weight release. So if I'm fishing a weed line and uh, I got my mega live with that target lock, I can be running the parallel parallel to the weed line. I'm going to have my mega live pointed at the weed line and I could be going down it and see mm. if there's a school of fish there, you know, I can see the school of fish. My mega 360 is pinging and I could see if it there's a little indentation or a little inside turn that's on the map, you know, or whatever. Just all those things help you be that much more efficient. And and if you're fishing offshore boulders or rock, whatever, or brush piles, you get that target locker. I'm relaxed. I was up there yesterday in the morning. It was kind of rocking and rolling a little bit. And I'm trying to fish boulders in 20 foot of water. And waves are coming over the bow. You know, it wasn't windy, but it must have picked up a little bit at night. So there was, you know, good chop in the lake. And target lock on a boulder in 20 foot of water. And I ain't got to worry about it, you know. <laughs> my my transducer is sitting on it the whole time. No matter what, I can make a, I can make two to three casts to that boulder. And if I don't get bit, I can be gone and off to the next one and moving around. And I'm not wasting time trying to hit my targets. Yeah, ultimate so, efficiency. Yes. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's no time wasted, especially now with that target lock. Like it's, I thought 360 was amazing, which it is. I mean, three. I I have my 360 on even when I'm fishing in a foot of water. I still have it on. It's just, it's crazy. That 360 sweeps, and you see that boulder, and you slide over your mega live to it, target lock on it, and you fire your net rig over there, watch it fall. A lot of times there's a fish on that boulder, you'll watch them come up and grab it, and it's just crazy. That's one of the cool parts uh, with target lock that I found is with 360, you can point out a boulder and click target lock on 360, and it, that way you don't have to do it manually. Like it's, <laughs> yeah, it's, the system's becoming easier and easier, which, I'm kind of curious. Uh, it's like, say you're you're paralleling this grass line. You're talking about uh, a deeper grass line, and yep. you can have you can be going forward and having that pointed 
towards the grass line? You go in at like a like a ninety or like a forty five. Like, what do you? What have you found to be efficient? Yeah, it's not quite a ninety, just a hair in front of the boat, so I can kind of you know forty five the line, so I can keep keep the boat moving, you know. And and if there's life on that weed line, whether it's bluegills or bass, you'll see them. You know, you can't miss them. They stick out like a sore thumb. I think if you watch Adam's video, it just came on in Serpent. I'm target locked on a school of bass. I mean, I'm, I'm not target. I mean, I'm locked on the school bass, and I'm peeling them out of the school one by one, you know. <laughs> and my boat's kind of floating over here. My target locked over there, and it's just beep, boop. Bust the school up, and I pan around a little bit, find them again, retarget lock on them, peel a few more out of there. Yeah, it's, it's all about efficiency. You know, it's awesome. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, there's so many – There's. There's this argument, and we should we'll keep this short because this could be this is a five hour conversation. This is like multiple podcasts, but this current argument nowadays with technology, and I will I will defend electronics till I die because I'm the same way. I I'm infatuated with electronics. Me too. Me too. Me too. <laughs> and he finally got himself mega alive. Yeah. And he's oh, infatuated. I, and everyone's telling me you can't catch fish on forward facing, and I and I've been crushing them for like a week and a half now. Like, <laughs> people are talking about like, like it's oh, you can catch them. Yeah. yeah. The, so the one rebuttal that ends the conversation when anybody complains about this electronics movement is why are you complaining if you're catching more fish? Like, yeah. you're having more fun. Like, yep. Relax. But you know, we'll for tournament anglers, whole... well, yeah. like, and for tournament anglers too, it's you know, it's more. It's it's like I said. Like I said it again. I'm, I'll say it a lot. It's about efficiency. Tournaments are about efficiency. You know, the more efficient you are, the more casts you make, the more opportunities you give yourself. And if you got mega live, and you know there's no life down there, you're not going to waste 20 minutes fishing around to see if there's fish down there. You can pan around, make a few casts while you're panning around. It still doesn't seem right. You know, there's not many fish around. There's nothing down here. Pull a troll motor up, you can be gone. Instead of wasting 20 minutes, half an hour fishing the spot, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah. not just about yeah. catching fish with it either, you know. It's about just kind of seeing what's going on. You know what, what's going on in the water, not just about using it to target. I, I use it a lot just to kind of see, like, hey, you know, is there, is there bluegills along the sweet line? Is there bait fish off this hump? You know, like, I use it a lot for that too. Yeah, there's so many uses now, and we think that it's we've seen it all, and I guarantee you. Yeah, what's <laughs> next? You know? Yeah, exactly, exactly. I thought I thought Mega Mega 360 was life changing. I've won so much money with that Mega 360; it's paid for itself twenty times over. It's crazy, you know. If I, people used to complain about side imaging and say that was cheating. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I still blows my mind. I see guys that don't have Mega three sixty in their boat. It's like if you're a serious tournament angler, you don't have Mega three sixty. I mean, man, it's it's just incredible. That's my next purchase. Mega. I used to I used to chase fish around with my Mega three sixty because you can see fish on the Mega three sixty too. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. You see it sweep, and oh, there they are! You fire at them, you know. And that's sweep; they'd be over there, and you fire at them, and that yeah, made three sixty amazing. That's how I caught the biggest largemouth of my life was on three sixty. I was really? off, offshore. I found some concrete pillars in the middle of freaking nowhere on this lake, and I just see this giant blob, and you can see it. So it's actually I have, I have two screenshots of this fish, actually one on side imaging and one on three sixty. I'll have to I'll have to post them to the Serious Angler Instagram. But I'm going through and I'm graphing on side imaging, and I see you can see the shadow perfectly outlines 
this bass on top and it's a giant belly. Like you, know, you can almost see <laughs> belly on side imaging. And I turn around and I position on it, I put 360 and you could see it still sitting on top of it. And I just fire over and I'm like, okay, that's the perfect distance. Cause I didn't have forward facing sonar at the time. And I'm just, I'm just like gliding like my swim bait right through it. And all I feel is dong. I reel it and set. And I'm like, that's a giant. And it comes up into seven pound largemouth here in New York. So it was, and it, like the, it was like only like 20 and a half inches and it was seven pounds. So you could, the belly on that side. It was a Minnesota bass. Yeah. I got a similar story. I, I didn't grab the fish, but I had a little spot. And this, was, this was in a tournament too. And uh, I didn't have live. I didn't have uh, mega live yet. And I'm fishing offshore. My 360 sweeps. And I'm fishing a little brush pile. And just to the right of this brush pile, I can see a fish sitting there. So I'm firing, firing. Like 15 minutes go by and fishing this fish. I'm thinking, is this even a fish? You know? What, you know what? what the heck's going on? And it stopped moving. It's still sitting there. I'm like, that's gotta be a fish, you know? So finally I grab a drop shot and I fire in there and set the hook. Cause it was seven, one, five. It's just like, <laughs> I seen the fish on three sixty the whole time. And we, I, I had a buddy tournament that we fished last year. We're fishing a little brush pile on a mud flat and like six foot of water. And we're firing at this brush pile. And he's like, he looks over on the three sixty. He's like, is that a fish out there in the middle of nowhere? I'm like, it looks like it, but it's like, you know, probably 50 feet off the brush pile, literally in the middle of the flat. He takes his jig, he fires over there. It's like a four and a half <laughs> in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> well, and that just like proves the point, right? Like how many times have you had a co-angler or a team partner and they just make like that random errant cast and catch like the biggest fish of the day? <laughs> like it happens yep. all the time. When you're re-rigging and you take the one rod and bomb it out, you're like, I'll let it sit there while yeah. it works. That <laughs> yeah. randomly no, goes no. off. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. like, what the heck? Yeah. And, but that just I, proves I, that it makes you way more efficient. Because right. if you didn't have 360 or Mega Live or even side scan, you would have never known that fish was there depending yep. on what you have on your boat. Right. So I don't mean to keep extending this electronics conversation, even no, though I personally cool. love it and I could do it all day. Uh, we have David Jong in here from Angler's Channel, and he's asking, if you only have one, 360 or Mega Live. I, can I answer for you, Bailey? I know what your answer is. Okay. You're a Mega Live guy all the way. No. Really? I'm going 360, man. I, got, okay. I would I, rather I, have 360 personally, but yeah. I think universally uh-huh. 360 is more advantageous. It, it, ah, I hate this thing. <laughs> like I still you see I, I say that and I'm like, oh, Mega Live is so advantageous everywhere. So now it's like <laughs> the, and here's the reason why I said Mega Live. Because literally every time Bailey is on the water, he'll send me like a video recording of his Mega Live. He's like, Look, he ate my A-Rig or look, he <laughs> ate my frog. <laughs> I'm just like I'd probably pick Mega 362. Just I just think there's situations you can't see it. I see if like it's, like you talk about you're in a foot and a half of water, it's pretty yeah. hard to see them on forward facing. But have you played with landscape mode yet on Mega Live? Yes, and it's gotten really good. <laughs> That's one thing I've kept in my back pocket for a while. I don't know if we want to go down that rabbit hole, but it's uh, she's out now. <laughs> if you're not playing with landscape mode, you got to be in shallow water. It's it's stupid. It literally, they've gotten it to the point where it looks like a live Mega yeah. 360. Yeah. It's, it's actually it's, super fun just to watch fish swim on that I thing. was, I don't want to tell the story, but I got to. We always down. It's too late now. In the spring of the year, I was down uh, in Iowa fishing a lake down there, and I was flipping wood, like a foot and a half of water. I had my, my landscape mode on my Mega Live, and I pan over this tree, and 
I didn't know the tree was there because it was submerged and the water is just dirty. You couldn't see, you know, three inches in the lake. And that was probably in two foot of water, maybe. And there was a Y in the tree. And you could see this bass sitting right in the Y. I'm like, God, is that, there's no way that's a bass. That can't be that clear of an image, you know? I just had gotten it. I was playing with it. So I flipped my jig in there. Boom. Sure enough, set the hook and you watch the fish swim out of the tree on the landscape mode. It was like a four and a quarter. And I proceeded to do that the rest of the day, going on the bank, flipping wood with my, my landscape mode. You could see a lot, not every time, obviously, but a lot of times if the fish was set up right, you could see the fish sitting right inside the wood. It was, it was crazy. That's so crazy. Silly. That's fun. Oh, Bailey, you're muted, bud. I was sitting there. I was like, why is there? Oh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> have you played with landscape yet, Andy? No, I need to. Uh, the only place I've had my boat is out deep on Erie at this point. I was on breaking period. I was on a tiny little lake just driving around in circles. But, um, yeah, I, I need to do that landscape mode. But I still need to figure out, like, the perfect settings for Omega Live, too, because... Every day I go out, it's a little bit different, and I'm still making that adjustment from Lawrence to Humminbird. So, like, side scan's good, 2D's perfect, Mega Live every day. I'm finding myself adjusting it. So, I, I, we'll I change every, every day, every lake is a little different. I'm constantly mm-hmm. playing with settings too. Like, well, I, I, was, I was on my lax yesterday, and you're, you know, deep, clear lake, and you can, you can crank your sense, your sensitivity, and crank everything up as high as you want and get an awesome picture. Then I come back home and Eight foot is deep for around here. Ten foot offshore is deep in the water. You can see about six inches in it because it's just dirty, muddy water. And you got to dial everything back or your image is blowing out, you know. So mm-hmm. every, every lake is different. I'm constantly playing with it every time I go out. And you got to just kind of – and that's that's with any any brand, yeah. you know. If you yeah. want a good image, you got to constantly play with it. But like 360, for the most part, I can just leave it, set it, and leave it unless I get like a – a hard bottom lake versus like a mud bottom lake. Then I'll have to dial the settings up a little bit. But mm-hmm. I mean, pretty much make a 360 is set and forget for the most part. <laughs> I like that set and forget. Yeah. <laughs> pretty plug and play. Mm. That's awesome. Well, Andy, do you have anything left here for, for Noah? Before we give him a, our last question? Oh, we can hit with the last question. But Uh-oh. I do have one question. I'm sorry. So give me a second. Do what you know is what? your favorite bait to use? when you're fishing for a largemouth on a weed line, like just all time, like if you had one rod to pick up while flipping at them with mega life, what is the rod you're going with first? Like what possible, is it because it shows up really good on mega live or is it just like you're a confidence thing and you see the if, fish? And you if I'm using mega live, if I'm using mega live jig, cause I can throw a jig out 70 foot. If I, if I line the cast up and I throw it out 70 foot, I can see my jig falling 65, 70 foot every single cast. So it's a it's jig, awesome. yeah. And I, I love jig fishing. I'm a big jig fisherman. And you ask me when it knows me. Five fish derby, I'm almost led. I'm gonna hmm. so it's probably like a one ounce or so it sticks out like a sore thumb. No, no. Yeah. I, I fish I tend to fish a little bit lighter jigs. I'm like most time it's a half ounce. Down to like twenty five foot, I'll fish a half ounce. So he's probably a floral guy too, then. Yep. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. Dude, that's a, so, okay. So you got some dang patience then too, because like a half ounce shake does yeah. take a decent amount to go down twenty five. Especially foot. if you have like a swimming chunk that's just sitting there paddling <laughs> the whole way down. It's like they, that's one kinda... Mississippi, two. <laughs> but I feel like if you're fishing a grass, if you're fishing a grass lake, the water's clear. Yeah. Generally, in grass lakes, they're eating bluegills. 
you know, or crawdads. So you get that nice slow fall and it's coming down. I, I don't know. Maybe I, maybe I'm <laughs> I mean, wasting hey, time. I don't know. I, I like a half ounce jig. I'll fish out to 25 foot of water. I like the slower fall versus a just a plummet to the bottom. You know, that's just me. But you could fish a lot more water if you fish a heavier jig. <laughs> that's for sure. I mean, hey, three championships. I'm not going to argue with I'm, you. Yeah, I'm saying I'm not arguing with the guy. <laughs> but I'm the same way. I'm a half ounce jig from like one foot of water to about 15. Like if that's the one jig I can throw, it's a half ounce. Always. I love fishing jigs. I'm a big jig fisherman. I, I'm just, I'm just like to myself laughing at like you're seeing a fish on mega live and you're in 25 foot you pitch at him you're like yeah i'll see you in two minutes <laughs> <laughs> just watch it slowly fall. Yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> well it's one thing i've learned is how well those fish can see because you'll throw that jig out and it'll hit the water and it'll get five foot down and you'll see the fish already start start coming towards it start working their way they start to react you know it's like it's kind of opened my eyes the last few years with that live is things you thought were true that aren't necessarily true, you know, and how the fish react to certain things and how many fish you don't catch. That's a big eye opener. Oh, it's <laughs> wild. Yeah. It really yeah. opens your eyes to how many fish, like not even just bass, but like fish in general in that lake are there. Like it's, yeah. I think I, for someone getting into forward facing sonar, like especially from an introductory, like entry level phase, I feel like it's, it's so hard to adjust to it especially when there's a lot of fish in the lake because you're trying to learn at what's actually a bass and what's not mm-hmm. you're gonna start throwing at random crap i can't mm-hmm. see how many carp that i tried fishing for and felt like because <laughs> it's this giant blob on bottom and you're like you're out in 20 foot of water and you're looking at it and you're like wait a second you'll see it on down, down imaging and you're like oh that's a carp thing it's like yep. <laughs> that was my biggest adjustment like you start you start to learn these things you know like you would think walleye would be like a bottom hugging fish, but typically oh, they're always like two feet off the bottom. It's long, yeah. elongated. Yeah. They're, they sit so high off the bottom. It's like I always imagined before them being like right on the bottom, you know? I never imagined them suspended cruising like they do. And they're, and they move. They move a lot. Yeah. It's, it's, I, yeah, have, it's, it's, I have a good story for Mega Live on Sunday at a guide trip on Erie. I pulled up into a reef and I'm like, oh, I, I'm pretty sure these are walleye because it's like only like the fifth time I used it. And I put down the trolley motor and I'm like, yep, those are walleye. Those are walleye. They're not reacting to anything. Those definitely walleye. And then I got like to a wall 40 feet out in front and I see the walleye and down underneath just past the walleye. As soon as I got past them, I was like, those are smallmouth. I threw it over there and literally... Like ten of them came out of nowhere. <laughs> my bait. I was like, "Yep, I figured this out." And then after that, I just waypointed the edge of the walleye, like going up and down with my mega live, and literally we pitched to the edge of the walleye, and we we're pucking off smallmouth because they were chasing the walleye around. I was like, "That's, That's kind of cool." Yeah. So, neat little mega live. It's super cool on forward-facing sonar to, like, in this conversation of learning different species on it. But like seeing how different species set up, how they behave, and being able to pick apart what fish are on forward-facing sonar by a simple fact of how they're acting, yeah. I think that is super cool to learn. Like, there's a lot you can learn from forward-facing. It takes a long like, time to learn that, though. It does. Well, and you have to dedicate yourself to it. Like, it's mm-hmm. it's one where I don't think that you should just go out on a brand new in a tournament and just start using it. I mean, I'm sure there's some people talented enough to do it, but like, it's one where you got to take if like. Not just one day, but like a lot of days that you go out fun fishing and dedicate your day to just doing that, to learning it. 
but also remember the fact that forward facing sonar isn't everything in fishing and when to be able to look away if that makes yep. sense that's like so serpent set up that way the, the, this last championship i just fished a few weeks ago on serpent um i'll keep this short but I, I smallmouth was a deal. It was predicted that smallmouth were going to win the tournament, and there was huge schools of smallmouth out there. So I, my first smallmouth spot, I start or as like you know, an hour in the tournament, I go to fish smallmouth. I pull up on a point with a couple of big bowlers on it and like thirty foot of water. Put the troll mower down, pan over to Mega Live. There's like fifteen of them sitting down there. It's like, oh man, this is going to go down, you know. <laughs> Throw the aggregate the egg out there. I pull like ten of them to the boat. And I drop on a few of them because they're underneath the boat. They won't. Eat, they all go back. This thing, I'm like, I'm, I'm like half hour goes by. I haven't caught one of these fish yet. It's like, okay, I'm done live imaging these smallmouth today. I'm putting smallmouth in the back, at least the offshore smallmouth. I'm done because they're not in the mood to play ball today. And I'm not that great of a smallmouth fisherman. So if I'm going to win, that's enough. But it's, a, it's like, just like you said, you got to learn when to turn it off and walk away from it. And then that half an hour I wasted there told me enough, like, okay, if I'm going to win, I cannot be fishing these smallmouth out in 30 foot of water i need to be fishing more active fish you know yeah. well can you really say that 30 minutes was wasted then because you learned a valuable lesson yeah that's true, so, that's true. <laughs> yeah, that's true. it's if like you went to a tournament angle you're like yeah that was a waste of time <laughs> yeah I, oh 100 but if it sets you up for success an hour later as tournament fishermen we know that literally at any moment our bike can turn on and we can catch everything we need in the span of 40 minutes yeah. champion sewer is different but by having that 30-minute period being like, okay, I know these fish aren't going to eat. I need to chase something else. It allows you to chase some more productive pattern because you knew to leave when you did. Yeah, so you true. learned a valuable lesson. So it's all how you look at it. Yeah, I think so. he's looking at it as I got a new boat in my driveway, so I yeah. don't care how I went. <laughs> yeah. It is in my driveway, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Two boats in the yeah. driveway. Nice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right. So – Noah, we're going to let you go here in a second, but we have our question that we asked to everybody that's new to the show. And that is, if you could sit down, have a steak, have a beer with three different individuals, uh, they don't have to be fishing industry. They could be alive now. They could be alive a thousand years ago. They could be whoever. Who would you pick to sit down, pick their brain, have a nice steak and a beer, and why? Oh, boy. Uh, I mean, I'm going to pick fishing. Everybody fishing because that's all I don't. I'm, I don't watch sports or anything. Everything I do is fishing related. So I would Devoted. pick John Sokup. So or probably okay. number one, just because I think he's going to be the next Jacob Wheeler, in my opinion. I think he's an arrival, Polonic and Wheeler, and that's my prediction. Just watching him the last few years, it's like, man, this guy's the real deal. And I just want to pick his brain. You know, who else? We'll, we'll clip that and send to John. <laughs> Who so else? I, <laughs> I don't know. Who else? Probably. I mean, I've been watching bass fish my whole life, so it's going to be tournament anglers, people I like to watch. I mean, Polonic, probably him, just because I feel like he's kind of like me, come up, you know, through the grassroots and kind of yeah, did it his way, you know, worked hard for everything he had. He'd be cool to sit down with. Yeah, I mean, hey. talk about mental. I mean, that guy's got it on lock. Yeah. And then, I like there's so many of them I like. You don't know. It's hard to choose. <laughs> mm, I don't know. Do you have, like, a childhood hero or something like that growing up? Yeah, a bass fisherman. 
Probably Hank Parker. That'd be cool. Hank Parker? Yeah, me and my dad, I grew up watching him. You know, back in the days of Bob Cobb and TNN and Hank Parker and Roland Martin and Orlando Wilson and all them guys, you know. Yeah. I just remember Hank Parker was a lot, and I just liked his attitude, his character. Funny guy. He's always cutting up all the time, you know. <laughs> well, yeah. I can confirm that what you see on the TV is what you get in person. <laughs> <laughs> and he's still going strong today, man. He's still filming. He's putting it all yeah, I know. It's crazy. It's super cool to watch. Uh, number one, number one, probably John Solokup, just because I, I just I feel like, I don't know. I just think he's going to be the next. The next one to rival the current, the current guys leading, you know, the bass fishing industry. That's what, that's what I think. Yeah, he's a couple more opens away from qualifying for the Elite mm-hmm. Series. And dude can catch him. Yeah, I think his first slip was Chesapeake Bay, and that was 67 or 76 or something like that. And uh, he's still second in overall AOI, which is pretty dang good. Second or yeah. can't either way. But, but dude – for real, thank you for uh, taking the time out to do this. Congrats again on uh, Congrats. another championship and another skeeter. Thank you. Thank you. It's always nice yeah. to have a free boat. A new bug <laughs> in the driveway. Yep. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Yeah. Soon you're going to have to get, get a big old barn for all the boats you're going to have. <laughs> yeah. But uh, for real, dude, thank you for taking the time out. It's been, it's been yeah, really no good problem. to have you. It was fun. A Anytime. Yeah. Let's, let's get you back on here again. Uh, well, uh, we got some different topics, I'm sure. We'll get, when we do some electronic shows, we need to get you back on here. And uh, I love, I love electronics. I can talk about them all night long. So, heck yeah! All right, man, we're gonna let you go, and uh, we'll be talking to you soon. All right, thanks, guys. All right, take care, know. Noah. Yep. Dude, I, I, <laughs> it's so hard for me to stop the electronics talk because I know if we go down it and we just let loose, it'll could be for like six hours yeah but it's just so much fun to talk electronics yeah i won't lie i'm pretty happy with the switch so far except for like little quirky things that hummingbirds do that i've already experienced but uh yeah it's it's good the dark side is fun yeah it's just like (laughs) it's crazy like for an example like you know i guide on lake Erie here in buffalo and i and i have boulders that i knew were really good but when i got the side scan dialed in and I idle across them and I can clearly see a soft bottom to gravel to my boulder that I couldn't see before. I'm like, <laughs> oh yeah, this is nice. It's always it's always I'm never I'm not gonna knock the other electronics uh because there's perks about each brand out there uh where they have their strong suits but it's it is funny. I will say like the, the Lorance side scan is, is not what side imaging is i do miss their 2d i do miss lawrence 2d i won't lie but hummingbirds isn't bad it, it is funny though when i post some electronic stuff up and people are talking about lawrence side scan is definitely the best i'm like have you ever tried side imaging no i'm like okay never mind <laughs> yeah it's good lawrence is good it's better it'd than be others yeah it'll, be, it'll definitely get the job done that's for sure got well you got like that crisp detail that's yeah, and I'm like, wow, like, <laughs> like this is nice. This is nice, <laughs> <laughs> very nice. The only only regret I have is not getting a second screen for my console, so I can just run pure side scan out. But next boat, next boat, <laughs> next boat. Not get one more helix. Let's just next boat, <laughs> next boat. 
Well, dude, yeah. that was a fun show. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to get off here in a second because I got to still get ready for state championships leaving tomorrow evening. And I have not started getting rigged or ready at all. So, nice. Yeah, I got to go tie in all those jig heads we poured, some, some manic mullets, some some Ned heads, some swim bait heads. Some, we, tied out a, or we poured a lot of stuff this morning. Uh, so there's going to be some cool content coming from our little pour sesh. <laughs> pour sesh, which sounds interesting. Uh, <laughs> this morning. But uh, Andy, without further ado, you got anything else for the folks before we sign off here? Oh, I am good to go. So everyone, thanks for tuning in. Yeah. As always, guys, appreciate you. Uh, if you're listening to this on MP3, we always appreciate a uh, rating and review if your app allows. And if you're on YouTube, please like and subscribe to the channel. Uh, like this video. And uh, we will see you guys on Friday. Well, that was an awesome show. Hope you guys enjoyed it. If you can and your app allows it, please leave us a rating and review. It really helps us get seen more, which allows us to access more time and more variables to be able to bring to the show to make it better for you guys. So hope you enjoyed it. And if you did and you liked some of the things we talked about in this episode and want to check out our show partners, all of that is in every single show description. You can click down there. It's got all of our discount codes, all of our links to our show partners where you guys can go and support the people that support this show and help us make this show happen. And of course, this show does not happen without you guys. You guys know we appreciate you. You're the Searsanga fam. You're the reason we're here. Appreciate y'all. And we'll see y'all on the next one.